Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to church again, everybody. That was pathetic. Welcome to church, everybody. Hey, grab your Bibles uh, and go with me to a New Testament book, the book of John. I'm going to read you a portion of scripture there. Also, if you want to hold your finger there, go to John chapter 2. And, uh, um, and then also go to um, Matthew. All of the middle schoolers can go to their class. We've got some great teachers for you waiting out there. Uh, we're also going to go to Matthew 21. Uh, we are in, a, in a, a series. If you want the notes, they're coming through, some paper notes. If you want the digital ones, you can get those by uh, going to our app. Uh, but we're in a series entitled Prayer in which we're talking about prayer. prayer. I know, there's no subliminal message there. That's what we're doing. We're just talking about prayer. Um, and it's been an incredible series. Um, we're we're uh, starting to wind that up. I have a message for you today. We've got one more next week uh, in our series on prayer, um, in which we've been simply talking about prayer, the power of prayer, how we need to be a people of prayer. And uh, so we're going to continue that um, today. Um, but, you know, uh, I, was, I was just thinking... Uh, back as, as I was actually getting ready for baby dedications and uh, just, uh, just praying for these babies and just thinking back as we even prepare for our nine-year celebration coming up, call it an anniversary, call it a birthday, call it whatever you want. It's going to be a party. It's going to be fun. Um, and I was just thinking back and looking back um, at all the incredible years we've had together, nine years um, of God just using people to touch other people, um, to bless a community, uh, to come together and worship together. And just, and just as I did, I actually went back and, and watched some old messages, uh, looked at some old pictures. And I just want to say this. I am so incredibly grateful for all of the ministry team here at Canvas Church. Um, all of you who have served, all of you have, you know, whether it's uh, you serve for a season, you're sitting out for a season, whatever it is, thank you so much for serving. Um, but also just so grateful for all of you who are sitting here de- today attending Canvas Church. Uh, so blessed by you. And just looking back at all the incredible things and um, just thinking through, man, I can't, I can't wait to see how God continues to use you and use this community and use this church. I really do believe the best is yet to come. And I believe that God's going to continue to use you, use your life in whatever capacity you allow him to do so. Um, but it also brought me back to thinking about church and growing up, uh, thinking about the church uh, growing up, I always thought, you know, I, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor for a, a big season of my childhood life. And so I've been, as long as I can remember, I've been going to church. And to me, I always looked at church as a place where man, I could go and connect with my friends. Um, I could go and connect with some other people that are in the same season of life as me. I could go and uh, worship together. How many of you guys enjoyed worship today, right? We could go and worship uh, together. And, and so I always thought church was kind of a, a cool place. And man, I'd go there and I'd connect with my friends uh, and whatnot, and then I got into high school years, and I uh, remember those were such form- formidable years for me going to church. I still remember our youth ministry wasn't real big. There was about seven of us, and uh, I, I remember I, I remember we would go, and we would uh, go to this upper room, and we would hang out, we'd have a lesson, and we'd always go to 7-Eleven afterwards. Don't know why. Grab a healthy hot dog and a Slurpee. Come on, somebody. Um, that was back in the day when 7-Eleven, I don't know if they still do, but that was back in the day when 7-Eleven actually had tables that you could sit down and, and you know, uh, drink your slurping. and eat. Yeah, we're going way back. Um, and I was thinking through those, oh, those years um, and, and what, what the church meant to me and what I thought about the church. But, you know, there came a season in my life when I really began to sit back and say, what, what is the church really all about? 
Well, what, what is the church for? What is the church unto? What is the purpose of the church? And now, I know the church serves so many purposes for people, but, but, but ultimately, when we look at Scripture, what was the heart of God? What was God's desire for his church? And I started thinking about that and looking through it, and, and I came to this conclusion that although church is a great place, and it's a great place to go and connect, it's a great place to go and worship, I had to come to this conclusion that the church actually has a responsibility and a function. And we're going to look at that together today because here's the thing. You're not the church just because you showed up today, right? You're not the church because you came on a Sunday and sat in, 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 in a nice cushy chair and sang some songs. Ultimately, what is the responsibility? What is the function of the church? John chapter 2, we're going to read starting in verse 13, and then we're going to go read a little bit of Matthew's account of this as well. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your paper Bible, your digital Bible, or on the screens, all sorts of options today. It says this, it says, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Now let me pause right there, what's going on? Um, all, of, all of those that followed the ways of Jesus and the ways and the teaching, well not the ways of Jesus at this point, but just the teaching of, of, the, of the Old Testament, uh, they would come together and they would celebrate what was the Passover. The Passover uh, was one of the many celebrations that the Jewish people had. This one in particular is celebrating uh, what happened in the Old Testament uh, when uh, the death angel passed over them because they put blood on their doorpost. Okay? And so here they are, and it's about time to celebrate the Passover celebration. You need to understand this in order to understand the rest of the text. Because here's what's happening in this celebration. People from all over, I'm talking like people traveled. This was like on, this was like a big thing. It was on the calendar. We're not going to miss that. And so literally they traveled for miles upon miles to come to one central location to celebrate the Passover. So in other words, this city now is bombarded with people. And, and so that will play into the rest of the text. So here they all, they're coming to celebrate the Passover. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves. For what? For sacrifices. He also saw dealers uh, at tables exchanging foreign money. Okay? This makes sense now because people from all over, different countries, different nations, uh, but yet they celebrated this. They're coming together. And so I want you to understand something. These people, because I used to read this text and think, what are these people doing in the temple? Right? Like, why are they doing this to the temple, disgracing God's house? You got to understand, these were well-meaning, good-intentioned people that knew that people would be coming from all over the place, and so they did what they thought they were supposed to do to provide sacrifices for the people that had traveled. Are you with me? Okay? Understand the text here. He also saw dealers exchanging foreign money. Verse 15 Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered This prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. 
Jesus in this moment sees something, these well-meaning, good-intentioned people thinking they're doing what they're supposed to be doing to provide things for all of those that have traveled. Jesus sees something that upsets him, and he deals with it. He makes a whip, the audacity of Jesus. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew's account. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple or my house will be called the house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. My house shall be a house of of prayer. My temple shall be a place of prayer. The function and the responsibility of the church is to pray. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about a church that prays. God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is awesome. And Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, everyone in this place would realize the awesomeness of your word. God, that they would lay hold of it and it would be meaningful to them and it would teach them and encourage them and maybe correct some of us in our thinking. Um, God, I pray you'd help me now in this moment that we have together to create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, to know uh, your amazing love and understand the incredible plan that you have for their life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever gone to a party before? Yeah, like somebody like, what? Is that a trick question? Ah, you know, you've been to a party. How many of you have ever had this happen to you before? You're going to a party, uh, and you go to the party, and you're so excited to get to the party, uh, and, and you walk in only to discover it's a costume party, but you ain't in costume. Right? Like, that, that is horrific, right? Like, you had planned, you got it on the calendar, I'm going to this party. You walk through the doors, everybody's dressed up except for you. The only thing worse than that is if you reverse that. Right? Like you think it's a costume party. Come on, somebody, right? Like you think it's a costume party and you all dressed up in your costume and you walk in and nobody else is dressed up in costume. How many of you guys have ever done that before? Just to show hands. Come on, be honest. I see some hands right over there. A little bit humiliating, like, oh, how do you play that one off, right? Um, well, that actually happened to us. Actually, it more so happened to my, my oldest daughter uh, when she was younger. And um, she was in uh, kindergarten. And I'll never forget, you know, navigating your first child in school is difficult anyways. Can I get an amen? Right? Like trying to figure out, like, what, what's happening in school and the teacher's emails and the school's emails and how, what is common core. Come on, somebody. Um, and you're trying to figure out all this stuff. And so navigating your first child is difficult enough. And um, I remember we got the email saying it's PJ Day. Come on, somebody. That's not just for kindergartners anymore. Come on, high schoolers do it on, on Spirit Week, Right? Um, and we got this email, it's PJ Day, and so we went out and bought Cara, my oldest, a cute set of PJs, because you're not going to wear the ones that you actually sleep in, right? You're going to get some cute PJs, and we're so excited, it's PJ Day, and, and the whole entire morning, she's a little bit nervous, and she's kind of like, are, are we sure today's PJ Day? Why? Because you don't want to be that one that walks in, come on somebody, dressed up when nobody else is dressed up. And we're like, yes, it's PJ Day. We got the email, right? And, and you know, my wife was like, yeah, baby, it's going to be great. It's PJ Day. And so we drive her there in her PJs, and we go pull into the parking lot. And, you know, we have to walk her to her class because she's in kindergarten. And as we're walking her to her class, I'm looking around, and I see no other kids in PJs. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, thank you. Like, you've never messed up. Um, uh, ushers, can we just have her escorted out right now? I can't preach with that. That's just... 
ungodly. Let's just all pray for her right now. Um, and I'm looking around and I'm seeing, no, but I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe it's, just, maybe it's just her class. They're doing a special PJ day. And so I'm talking myself into it now and <clears throat> we get her to the door and we open the door up and none of the kids are in PJs. Like none of them. And you just, and I look over and all of a sudden I just see this little tear trickling down her, down her cheek and I look at my wife and I'm like, I told you it wasn't PJ day. How many dads out there know what I'm talking about right now? Like, yeah, I mean, Eve threw him under the bus. I'm, anyway, um, and so here she is, and she's crying, and we're like, oh, my gosh. And so we feel like horrible parents. And the teacher, I remember she was an awesome teacher, but she came over and was just like, I, I take it you guys didn't get the other email. We're like, duh, you know, like clearly, you know. Um, what a horrible feeling. To show up. And to think it's the right day, the right moment, the right thing. Like, I'm in my PJs, and here I am, it's PJ day, only to discover it's not, right? Here's what's happening in the text today. They are showing up, doing what they think they're supposed to be doing, thinking that, man, okay, people are coming in from all over. We're going to provide sacrifices for them. We're going to have to have some foreign exchange money thing going on here because we're going to set this up, and there's going to be some incredible celebration taking place. They show up thinking they're doing the right thing the right way in the right moment, only to discover they're not. And here's the thing. I wonder if that, that same thing happens in the church today, that, that we show up as the church, and I don't just mean on Sundays, but we show up in our daily life. We show up at the job place, the school, the, the whatever it is, and we show up even on Sundays, and man, we think we're doing all of the right things, but maybe it's because of bad teaching. Maybe it's because of a misunderstanding of, of Scripture, but we're doing all of these things only to come to the place of maybe we're not doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. This is why Jesus was so consumed. Now, now remember, these are, these are well-meaning, good-intentioned people. I don't think anybody would, would, well, it might be a few, but I don't think anybody's coming to church thinking, I'm gonna make the church something it's not. We're well-meaning. We've got great small groups. We've got some great programs. Man, man, we've we, we got, we got some programs that'll help people get out of addiction. Man, we got some great worship. We got some cool lights. One of these days we'll have the amazing LED screen. Can I get an amen on that one? And we got a great kids' classes and, man, a great, great middle school class going on. And, man, the band comes and practices during the week. And, man, we're doing all of these things, but are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? And so here's Jesus, and he comes and shows up at the celebration, goes to his temple to see what's going on, and sees all of this taking place. And he's so consumed with, with passion and zeal for his church. You gotta know something, Jesus loves his church. He loves you. He loves these moments. He loves it when we talk to him. He loves it when we worship him. He loves these moments and he's so consumed because he looks around and he realizes, wait a second, this is not what my church is to be about. This is not what they're supposed to be doing. And in that moment, he's so full of passion, he's gotta do something about it. 
And the Bible says he, he picks up this, he, 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 he doesn't pick it up. It wasn't, here's, here's the thing you got to understand about the text. This is not a whipping of passion. Come on, somebody. This is not like all of a sudden there's a whip there and he picks it up and he's like, get out. This is a premeditated whipping, people. Read the text. It says he finds some rope. I mean, he walks. He's like, okay, this is not happening in my house. And he walks around and he finds some rope. And the Bible says he makes. And in my mind, I see he just sits down and he's just making. And he's probably singing a song. As he's making this. Watch me whip. Kill it. Now watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip. Whip. Watch me nay nay. Why me do it? Now watch me whip. Kill it. Watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip. No, no, no. Watch me nay nay. Now some of you, the minute that came on, some of you religious people are like, I can't believe they're playing it in church. I saw someone in the back go. I'm like, yeah, that's my kind of people. Right there. Right? But some of you religious people are like, what song is this? But inside you were like. Right? You know who you are. You're like, oh, this is kind of catchy. Right? He sits down. He's, that was funny. He sits down. And he's making this whip. And the whole entire time, he's thinking about what he's going to do with it. He's going to drive these people out of here. And Matthew chapter 21 catches the reason why. He says, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what my church is going to be about. That's what my church is going to do. Why? Because listen to me, there are a lot of things, and please hear me, these things aren't bad. Small groups are great. How many guys love your small group? Come on, coming to church, man, powerful. Man, 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 man getting in, in, in involved in these things that we're doing in outreach and missions, man, it's, it's awesome. But listen to me, the reason he said my house will be a house of prayer is because prayer is what we need to break the bondages and the chains that are in people's life. Yes, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but the power of the Holy Spirit is invoked as we, as his people, begin to pray and begin to call out upon his name. Has power. This is my church. My house is going to be a place of prayer. We've been talking about this. What is prayer? Let me give you a few thoughts here. What is prayer? Prayer simply, prayer simply, listen to this, is what God wants his church to be known for. Prayer is what God wants his church to be known for. I mean, think about what, when you think about church, maybe it was like me growing up and I thought about church, I was like, oh, friends and, man, celebration and worship. And listen to me, all those things are good. Church is a lot better when you're going there with friends. Small groups are great. But when you think of it, what do you think about when you think about the church? Is prayer the first? Let me ask you this. How many, uh, what do you think of when I say Baskin-Robbins? Ice cream, 31 flavors to be exact. Right? Ice cream. Like, no one, no one hears Baskin-Robbins like, yeah, I want to get a cheeseburger. It's ice cream. Uh, how about Krispy Kreme? And diabetes, yes. Donuts. <laughs> right? I mean, you just know. But let me ask you this. When you hear church, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Wow, the pastor's really funny. 
Oh, the worship's really great. Oh, the children's, have you seen the children's wing? They have remodeled it, man, the wood floors and the paint. And man, it's looking beautiful and it's awesome. Because here's what Jesus thinks of when he hears the word church. He thinks of a people that are praying. Prayer is what he wants his church to be, to be known for. So much so that, that it says it, in, in five times in scripture. My house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of, uh, of prayer. Here's what Romans 12, 12 says. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. This is God's desire for his church. Colossians 4, 2 says this, devote yourselves to what? Prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, I, I want to be that church. I want us to be that church. I want us to be that place where people know, like, hey, hey look, if I need something, I'm going to Canvas because they're going to pray for me. They're going to pray for me. Prayer, he wants his church to be known for prayer. What, what is prayer? Prayer is, number two, Simply a conversation with God. We, we, we've been talking about that throughout this whole series, and I mentioned it several times, and I want to stress it again to you today that prayer, what, what is prayer? I mean, like prayer is like, is it like something that only the pastor can do, or do I need to get to a certain level in leadership, or do I need to know Jesus long enough, or do I know? Prayer is just you simply having a conversation with him. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter what the conversation's about. It's directed towards him. You're in communication with him. This is what's going on in my life. This is, how I, this is how I'm doing. This is, you know, how are you doing, God? Oh, good? You're always good? <laughs> I guess that's your nature. You're good. But having that communication, having that conversation, it's simply that. It's just simply that. It's just simply a conversation with, with him. But like every relationship, the biggest challenge in every relationship you can write this down for some other area of your life. The biggest challenge in every relationship is communication. That's it. It's communication. If there's a communication issue, there's a lot of issues. You learn how to communicate in a relationship. Think about your marriage. I, I still remember to this day when my wife and I were getting married, someone said, hey, you know what? The biggest challenge you're going to face in your marriage is finances. I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Here's what I've learned. Our, the challenge in our marriage isn't finances. The challenge in our marriage would be the lack of communication about finances. So if, if your spouse, and I say spouse, not she, because who knows how, who has the greater love for shoes. Uh, if your spouse, <laughs> if your spouse goes and spends X amount on shoes without communicating it, there's going to be an issue. But it was a communication issue, not an expense issue. Right? I'm telling you, if, if communication is good in a relationship, the relationship's good. Doesn't matter what it's about. Okay? That is true in our relationship with Jesus. If there is a communication issue, meaning I'm not praying, I'm not talking with God. 
there's going to be challenges and issues. Here's what, here's what I've realized. Is if we prayed about our issues as much as we complained about our issues, things would change. Here's what you need to understand. It's not always the issue that changes. More often times than not, it's you that changes. Because a lot of times, you the issue. Here's, here's, what, here's what I discovered. Even if what I'm facing doesn't go away and doesn't change, I, I've learned that to be anxious for nothing. But let the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the first part of that verse says, hey, don't be anxious about anything. But pray about it. Pray about it. Listen, you can spend that energy complaining. You can spend that energy. Here's the thing. Um, how many of you guys have friends? Uh, not enough of you. All right. Make some friends today. Um, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this, but you can think about it. How many of you guys, man, something's going on in your life, and the first thing you do is call that friend, and you talk about what's going on? Now, listen, we all need friends, but you know what a good friend does? A good friend is like, you know what? Hey, I hear you, but let's, let's do this. Let's, why don't we pray about it? Because the two of you talking about it ain't going to accomplish anything. The two of you praying about it, it's going to change everything. That's going to change everything. That, 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 that's the power of being in a church. Because hopefully we, as a, if, if I get that phone call, hey, I hear you, let's pray about it. <sighs> okay, whatever. <laughs> let's pray about it. So well, I, I, don't, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to pray or I, I don't know how to pray. Well, there's a verse about that, Luke 11, 1 through 4. says this. It says, he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Verse 2, Jesus said, he said to them, whenever you pray, say. Whenever you pray, say, and there's two little dots there. Here's the first thing that's mentioned about prayer. When you pray, say. When you pray, just open your mouth and say something. Don't just think about it. Don't just meditate on it. But when you pray, Say. And he says this, say, Father, I love what he does there. What, what, what does Jesus do in the teaching there? Because here's the way we look at prayer too oftentimes. There's me, fallible, corrupt human, praying to an almighty God somewhere there that I can't see. What does Jesus do? Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. He brings it down to a basic level of one human communicating with another human. When you pray, have a conversation. But look at what he does. He doesn't just pick any. He picks a father. Why a father? Man, because the father is in the rightful spot of every home Things change. And I know, I know some of you in here maybe had bad fathers. I had a great father growing up. Amazing dad. Maybe some of you didn't really have good dads. 
And so when you hear that, you're kind of like, ah. But here's what you've got to understand from Scripture. Jesus is presupposing the idea of a good father. And so whether you had a good dad or not, you know somebody that did have a good dad. And that's the image that's being used here. And he says, hey, when you say, when you pray, say, Father. Oh, we're having a conversation. And listen to me. I, I think about the conversations I had with my dad. Sometimes they were like, let's, let's get away and sit down. Love those. But you know what? Most of, my, most of the conversations I had with my dad were just, just in passing, and we can just pick up where we left off the last time. This is what's going on in my life. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Hey, I saw that one thing going on. Oh, it's, going, it's going well. This is what's happening. How you doing, Dad? I'm doing good. This is going on at work. And next time, hey, Dad, how's that thing going on at work? And it's this ongoing dialogue and conversation. So when you pray, say, Father, continue the conversation. And he says this, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Give us uh, each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone else. That debts to us, and do not bring us into temptation. Listen, this is the principle of prayer. This is a model of prayer. It's not something that was meant to be quoted over and over. We have these things called a daily prayer guide. We have tons of them in the back at our info shelves. If you're stuck in your prayer life right now, I would encourage you to stop by and pick one of these up because what it does is it breaks down that whole model of prayer right there and shows you things that you can be praying for in each one of those, each one of those sections. Now, I'll tell you, as a pastor, I get stuck in my prayer sometime. And you know what I do? I go right back to this, the model. That's all this is. We took that and we broke it down. It's, it's the model for prayer. And when I feel stuck in my prayer life, I'll go right back to this and I'll begin to pray through this. And here's what I've noticed is, is I, I mean, how many of you guys ever had this happen? You're like, got big plans to pray for an hour and five minutes in, you're like, oh God. And I've noticed this, that when I, when I start to go back to the model that Jesus gave his disciples, I'll be like, I'll be like an hour in, I'll only be like on the second part. Because all of a sudden you start to pray in tune and boom, things start. Are you with me? If you're struggling in your prayer, I encourage you to stop by and pick one of those up. Even if you're not struggling, because you will struggle one day in your communication. Prayer, and I finish with this. Prayer is the most powerful tool you have. Prayer is the most powerful tool you have as a believer. Listen, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm teaching uh, some college students right now. Um, uh, it's a vision and values class. And um, last, last semester I taught one on biblical counseling. And there's so much overlap in there because uh, what, what, is, what, what, what do I value? What, do I, what are the vision God has for my life? What am I doing with my life? Well, if I'm, whatever I'm doing with my life isn't ministering to others, um, then that's maybe not a God vision. But we go back to the last semester as I was teaching this counseling class, and everything was going back to the whole idea of, hey, listen, you can be a counselor as a Christian as long as you're using the word. And there's so much power in that. And there's power in counseling, but listen to me. At the end of the day, there is more power in prayer. There is more power in bringing whatever that need is to God. As I was studying this week, I read this article that was written a couple years back about the problem with prayer, and it began to bash prayer and how prayer you know, alleviates your responsibility as a human and all these things. I'm like, no, you're missing the point. It doesn't matter what you think about prayer. It matters what God's word says about prayer. And he says in his word, if you're a part of the church, here's the job of the church to pray. Are you with me? To pray, to seek, to call upon him. 
Why? Because prayer is the most powerful tool that you have. When you pray, it moves the hand of God. When you pray, I, and I'm not saying we, we, we yield prayer around like God do this for me, God do that for me. Because in the very, the very essence of prayer, what's happening is as I'm in communication with him, all of a sudden my heart and my will begin to align with his heart and his will. And then I realize that maybe a lot of things I'm doing, like, hey, I'm not even supposed to be doing that. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I align myself with what God's doing. Prayer is the most powerful tool that you have. Listen, you got to understand something. Just because God said in his word or maybe uh, prophetically said something to you doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight for it. It's not, it's, not, it's not just like this, hey, this is for you. I think back to the scriptures and I think back to the Old Testament when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. And, and God says, hey, I got a promised land for you. And they didn't just walk right in like, sweet. Read the scriptures. They had to fight for that thing. And just because God has something for you doesn't mean you won't have to fight for it. Because listen to me, as much as there is a real God, there is a real enemy trying to oppose what God wants to do in your life. And when you pray, strategy comes. When you pray, strength comes. When you pray, grace comes. It's going to be a fight. How do I know that? Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Amen. Doesn't that sound awesome? His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Sounds like a battle. For our battle, oh it is, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavens. Oh, it's not just a movie. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with the, the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like an armor on your chest, and your feet uh, sat, sat sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Listen to verse 18. Pray at all times. Pray at all times. Verse 19, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. For this, is, for this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough uh, in him to speak as I should. The whole goal of taking up the armor as seen in Ephesians was so that you could go and pray. Jesus walks into the temple. He looks around. And he sees all the livestock. He sees the money changers. He sees the table set up. He looks around and says, this is not what my church is to be doing. My church, my house, will be a house of prayer for all nations. God, we thank you so much for your word today. Oh, we thank you. Your word is awesome. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me today.
God, we thank you that your word is incredible. God, I pray that each and every one of us today, having heard this and having confessed with our mouth that I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ, I'm a part of the church, that we would walk out of here with a new understanding or maybe a renewed understanding that I need to be a person of prayer. I need to be seeking God because it's there where things change. Lives are transformed. asking, don't stop seeking, don't stop knocking. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this today. There's some of you haven't prayed about some circumstances or situations because you don't think it's that, that it's a big deal to you, but you're like, I don't know if it's really that big of a deal overall. But I want you to hear something. God loves and cares about the things that you care about. He does. I just feel like someone in here needs to hear that. There's something that, like, ah, man, I don't know. Should, should I pray for that? Pray. Talk to him. He's your father. Listen, when you pray, say father. There was something that was a big deal to me, and I, I brought it to my dad. Even if it wasn't a big deal to him, he made it a big deal for him. Why? Because he loved me. He loved me. He, he got invested. He found a way to make it happen because he knew it was a big deal to me. Your heavenly father is so much better than your earthly father. Don't hesitate. Whatever's going on in your life, bring it to him. A worry, a care, a concern, or maybe just something you're like, man, I really want this to happen. I really want this to come to pass. Bring it to him. Start the conversation. See what God does. In everything you do, be devoted to prayer. Pray always. Be faithful to prayer. And watch and see what God does in your life. Watch and see what God does in your life. In you, and yes, even in the circumstances surrounding your life. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're here today, and you'd say, man, I got something that's just weighing on me, and I need some prayer today. That's all I'm going to say. If that's you, just shoot your hand in the air. You know who you are. Anybody else? Come on, just shoot it up. Maybe you're here, you can put your hand down. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I just need to get right with him. I, need to, I just need to get back in communication with him. I need to, man, you can do that. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask the pastors, small group leaders, come on up here um, right now. Go ahead and come on up. And if we got some more small group leaders in the place and pastors, come on up. And we're going to, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're gonna dismiss, um, and if you need prayer for anything, anything, then we're gonna pray, pray with you and pray for you. Pray with you and pray for you. Um, here's, here, here would be my, my uh, next step challenge to you today is on your way out, pick up one of these. And this week, spend time in prayer about anything and everything that comes to your mind and see what God does. Amen?
So I'm gonna pray, dismiss. Some of you raised your hand, you need prayer. We got people up here, I'd love to pray for you. Um, stick around, meet somebody new. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for a fun day in church. God, we thank you we can learn together, grow together. And I pray that as we leave here today, we'd have uh, not only a greater desire to pray, but a greater understanding that it is our job as the church to be people of prayer. And so God, I pray that we'd walk that out this week in every area of our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up.